You obviously know Kung Fu. Hi, this is Demetrius Angelo, founder and executive producer of the Urban Action Showcase and Expo, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. My guest today is martial artist, actor, producer, founder, executive producer of the Urban Action Showcase and Expo, Demetrius Angelo. Demetrius, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast today. Thank you for having me and thank you for coming on board uh, as our exclusive uh, Saturday afternoon Kung Fu Theater uh, podcast at the Urban Action Showcase this year. Yeah, we're very excited. Uh, it sounds like a great event. We're going to get into all of that. I have so many questions about how that started, but... Before we get to that, I want to get into a little bit about your background. You're an accomplished martial artist uh, from the D.C. area, I believe. Is that correct? Correct. I was born in D.C. Correct. Great. How did you get your start in martial arts to begin with? Well, my story is much like many people who grew up in the 60s and 70s. I was jumping on the bed because Bruce Lee was on TV. (laughs) So I'm jumping on the bed trying to do what he's doing. And, you know, my father's bed I'm jumping on. So I say, I want to do that. Now, I didn't know what that was. I just knew I wanted to do that. So being the great father that he was, he took me down to the community center and signed me up for Tang Soo Do, June Ri style. June Ri was one of the pioneers over there in the Washington, D.C. area, as well as, of course, a good uh, friend of Bruce Lee's. So uh, Tang Soo Do was my first style at seven years old. After that, I uh, parents uh, got uh, divorced, so I went to live with my mother, and she knew it would probably be best to have a young man doing something that would keep him out of trouble. <laughs> so my neighbors downstairs did didn't know what style they did, but they wore black geese, so I thought they were ninja. <laughs> so I knew I wanted to do that. So this is now I'm 10 years old. I'm like, okay, these brothers are ninjas. I'm definitely trying to do this. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's how I got in my, my, my next set of styles, which is called uh, Asian American Combat System, which was Okinawa, Shunru, Kobayashi, uh, Karate, American Freestyle Karate, Kabuto, which is Okinawa Japanese weapons, uh, small circle jiu-jitsu, um, Chinese boxing, Largo de Mano Filipino stick fighting. So it was, yeah, it was like, you know, and, and my instructor, Master Don Batanga, he's actually wrote the first butterfly manual. Before Jeff Amata wrote the Bali Song manual, uh, Don Batanga wrote the butterfly manual. And Don, believe it or not, my, my instructor, was good friends with uh, Danny Asanto, Chris Fayok, uh all those dudes, and they were actually in the book. So at, I think I was, uh, at that time I might have been 14, 13, 14, I was in the book, uh, the Butterfly Manual, with uh, Danny Asanto, Chris Fayok, Felix Cortez, of course my instructor, Don Batanga, and he had me demonstrate the nunchucks and the, uh, the ballet song together. 
Wow, that was really a great experience for me, you know, as a, as a young kid. So how influential were those kung fu movies of that era? Uh, obviously, you, you, you talked about Bruce Lee. Um, were there a lot of those films that uh, you were keyed in on that uh, helped you get involved with martial arts? Oh, absolutely. Well, once again, you know, Bruce Lee is, is what paved the, 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 the way as far as getting everyone excited. But don't forget Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater. Absolutely. You know, you know, Channel 5, 12 o'clock, you know, you were on there thinking those moves are going to work in the street. Yep. So I was up there practicing my real martial arts, watching this stuff. I'm like, okay, I got to make it like this now. <laughs> so, you know, absolutely. It was a great influence. And, and you got to remember that these were the first non-white heroes on the big and the small screen for, you know, for anybody of color to see any representation of themselves, you know, on the big screen starting in the 70s with those kung fu flicks, especially here in New York City. You know, most inner cities had these kung fu flicks uh, playing in double and triple uh, features. Right. So, you know, it was very exciting for me to be able to, you know, watch these things. And, they, and, you know, more than one was on. I think it at least had two that would come on. And we would, you know, well, me, I would watch it and, and practice my moves, you know, try to get, in, you know, as, as much up to speed as what I was seeing on TV as possible. <laughs> yeah, the uh, that was absolutely like church for us on Saturday afternoons uh, when that, theme song came on, that drive-in theme song came on, you knew that you had to sit down and, and get ready to get whisked away to ancient China and get involved with these guys who, at the time, for us, were live-action superheroes. Exactly. I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, your laundry list of accomplishments in martial arts styles, you went through just some of them, and that's really just some of the list. Uh, I can't even go through everything that you've studied, but where along that way of learning all of those martial arts styles, did you get uh, the itch to get involved in action films? Well, believe it or not, that came early because for us, when I say us, I'm talking about people of color, uh, we had something called the black exploitation era. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know that's what it was back then. We just knew that we had some heroic images on screen. I'm talking about Jim Kelly. I'm talking about Jim Brown. I'm talking about Fred Williamson. So we had a lot of films that had martial arts in it. So we're talking about One Down, Two to Go. We're talking about Three the Hard Way. Uh, we're talking about Jim Kelly's Black Samurai. Right. We're talking about so many of these films that I had to see and be influenced. And even in the Kung Fu genre, we had Ron Van Cleef, the Black Dragon. Mm -hmm. And then we also had Carl Scott, Sun Dragon, and Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, Kung Fu Executioner. So I had, believe it or not, images that influenced me. But when it came in 1985, when The Last Dragon came on the scene, that's when I said, oh, I can definitely do this because... You know, Jim Kelly and them were much older, but the last dragon, he was around my age. I was like, oh, I can definitely do this. <laughs> but um, that was when I knew that I could definitely do it. But before then, the ninja craze, we had the show Kazugi. 
you know, and don't forget, everybody wanted to be a ninja. And I figured, you know, we had Steve James. So I figured, so the Steve James is in it. They can use another brother as a ninja something, you know. So I was getting photos done, sending stuff off the Canon films. Like, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I was, I was ready. But once again, 1985, Barry Gordy, Motown meets martial arts, The Last Dragon, Time Out, Bruce Leroy catching bullets with his teeth. <laughs> Listen, I knew that was me. And when I went to school, people started to call me Time Out. They used to call me, you know, they was like, oh, that's The Last Dragon. Because you couldn't tell me I wasn't The Last Dragon back then. Right. So, yeah, that that was when it started for me, you know, basically 84, 85. Because of that film, I just said, you know what? There's no way I can't do this now. So, you know, I just continued to uh, train hard, and uh, I moved to New York at 17. Uh, fortunately, I finished uh, high school early. So I came here to go to college. And the reason why I came here, because I knew that The Last Dragon was here. And, you know, I was going to go to California and New York. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to New York. It's a little easier. And I was like, okay. And the, and it's very, very, um, I was very fortunate. I was able to train with many of the people from The Last Dragon. First of all, I met Braun Van Cleef, the Black Dragon, which is The Last Dragon's instructor. Uh, and he actually got me a lot of stuff. He got me actually an HBO commercial back in the day mm-hmm. where I was going martial arts. We did a spoof on Kung Fu movies. <laughs> and uh, because of the stop button, back in the day with cable, if you wanted to hear something in Spanish, you had to push this button called the stop button right, on right. your remote control. So it would turn into Spanish. So the spoof was, you know how your mouth is moving and it doesn't line up? And you, don't yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? So it was a spoof. was like you couldn't understand what was going on until you clicked this button. When you click the button, you can understand. But... um. <laughs> You know, the Black Dragon, you know, he got me that. And then I trained with uh, someone called Wolf Fox, which is uh, Dwayne Thomas and, and, and Sheon Iceman Andre Brown, which was actually beefed in The Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the three dudes uh, that showed up crew, he had Beef Cyclone and um, one more. Uh, but he played Beef, the bigger dude. So I was training with him. And... Uh, or since I think it started at 18, he let me come train with them. And then I was training with a lot of the uh, dudes from uh, Guardian Angels because I used to go to this church to help out in uh, Washington Heights called Manhattan Bible Church. And Jerry and a couple of the twins uh, from the Guardian Angels and uh, Grandmaster Blackheart, Blackhawk San Carlos, Grandmaster Ron Van Cleef, uh, a few others were there. They were instructing, you know, the kids. You know, it was like an outreach. So I went down there to train uh, uh, Grandmaster Tony Mayo. So we went down there, and and they let me train with them. So I was very fortunate to, to be able to train with a lot of uh, well-accomplished uh, masters and grandmasters. And then uh, shortly after, in 91, one of my colleagues uh, was training with one of uh, William Chun, Grandmaster William Chun's students who brought Bruce Lee to Vietnam. He took me in as a closed-door student for uh, traditional Wing Chun. So I was training with him with that. And then at the same time, I was working at a health club, and one of the 
uh, I guess the attendee, the uh, members, was a grand a, a grandmaster. So he said, you know, from Professor V and Professor um, um, Grandmaster Moses Powell, that whole uh, V Arnest Jiu Jitsu uh, Sanuka's Rue uh, family. So he let me come and train with them. So I was I was definitely very 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 blessed and fortunate. Wow. Train with a lot of wonderful individuals, talented individuals, humble individuals in the martial arts, you know, during my 40-year-plus stretch of, of training. So let me ask you, what exactly gave you the drive to continue learning over those 40 years? Because, you know, a lot of guys will train for a little bit, they'll get to a certain level, and they'll be like, yeah, that's good, I know enough. What kept you going and kept you wanting to just keep expanding on your knowledge of the martial arts? Well, for, for me, the martial arts was, was part of a lifestyle. You know, it, it was a philosophy of life as far as keeping the body healthy, you know, keeping your mind and, 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 and focused and discipline, all, all the characteristics um, of, of integrity and, 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 and so forth. Um, so for me, it, it was, I don't know, it was just a part of me. Mm. Um, it, it was a part of everything that I did. You know, I took the values of it, you know, and use it for everything. But you got to understand, I was a kid when I started, but I've, it was also such a great part of my life. We were we were training a minimum four hours a day. This was back in the 70s and 80s. Wow. This was just your minimum of what you were doing. This was after school. At first, in the morning, you wake up at 6 o'clock, do your training, do your thousand crunches and everything. Then... You know, after school, you go to martial arts from four o'clock to nine o'clock, basically. Wow! <laughs> um, every every day. This wasn't like today. It's a little different. It wasn't like this back in the day. You train martial arts every day, Monday through Friday, and, and Saturdays too. So you know, I think the only day was closed was Sunday. So it's not like, oh, you sign up, you get to go three days a week like you do these, these days. It's, it's a joke. This was like real martial arts where, you know what I'm saying, you, you had people who were dedicated and, you know, it was definitely something that you immersed yourself into in order to perfect it, you know. And there were no, you couldn't get no, you couldn't get a black belt unless you were 16. You had to be 16, first of all. And you had to fight men. It wasn't about, it wasn't no juniors, it wasn't none of that. You had to be 16 and you had to fight adults. Right, right. And that's just how it worked. So, you know, it was different back then, you know. But uh, once again, it was just so much of a part of my life that it just, I can't see myself not doing it. It's just who I am. Look, going back to the uh, the early action films where uh Obviously, they were a little light on representation for African-Americans. It's a little different for me as an Asian-American uh, because, like you said, uh, these Asians were on the big screen and the little screen. So during that whole Kung Fu era, it was a little strange because at the time there were heroes to look up to that sort of looked like me. And the group of friends that I was with, you know, from all different races were wanted to be these guys that sort of looked like me. So it was kind of cool until that whole thing died away. But for you, when did you really notice that African-Americans weren't being well-represented in this action genre? Well, we stopped being represented, um, I feel, in the same way that I, I grew up seeing it. Once again, 
I grew up seeing it from the late 60s to 70s to the 80s. So I saw, once again, what we call the black exploitation era. So I had plenty of things to look at. I had everything from Cleopatra Jones to Foxy Brown to Gideon Rusty Love to TNT Jackson to, like I said, to uh, Hell Up in Harlem to Shaft. To, you know, I had a lot to look at. So it didn't dawn on me until so I got older and things faded away that things changed. So basically, after 1985, you, your, your first movie that's not part of the black exploitation era is The Last Dragon. Right. Black exploitation era ended in 1984 with One Down, Two to Go, which was the sequel to Three the Hard Way. So now you got The Last Dragon. But right after The Last Dragon, you had uh, Action Jackson. Mm-hmm. And that was three years later. But the last dragon craze kind of just never stopped. So that movie was so influential, you didn't even recognize it. You didn't see nothing else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 1988, where you saw Ashton Jackson. Also, don't forget, VHS came out around that time. Right. Uh, so I got the VHS, which was mega expensive, like 80 bucks back then. To own, remember? Yes. To own a VHS was like freaking 80 bucks. <laughs> and that was like, you know, and then of course you could rent, you know, you had the rentals and stuff, you could rent stuff. So a lot of things were not so apparent because we were able to rent movies and see what we wanted to see. And, you know, we had the Blockbuster video and the whatever local video store. So whatever you weren't seeing, you know, in the movies, plus, you know, at that age, you don't get to go to the movies that much anyway. Right. So it's not like I'm missing it. So I was able to see it at home. But to answer your question, I think it really, really got apparent when I got much older and realized that um, we only had one or two people representing us. So after uh, we had Carl Weathers, you know, for Action Jackson, uh, we didn't have anyone till 91, I think, with like Apaches of 57 with Wesley Snipes. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it was just him for a while right. at that time. Not until the late, late 90s did we get The Rock and Vin uh, Diesel uh, and the Fast and Furious and all that stuff. So... I knew when I was up here, you know, I've been here since I was 17 in New York City, so I knew that there was a lot of uh, resistance when it came to finding, you know, roles where there were people of color. So I started doing independent films, right. independent films at that time where, you know, it didn't matter. You didn't have to wait for someone to put you on. You know, you just did your own thing. And that, you know, there was a strong B-movie presence anyway with those B-movies that were out at that time, especially with the um, Grindhouse, stuff like that. So, you know, you know, the independent opportunities started to, to open up. So, you know, I started to do, do that. But I know, I know that, like, you know, the 90s was, you know, basically only had one person. And, you know, then in 2000, you had maybe one maybe three people representing 
and it really still really didn't have really really a recognizable person of color. Like we knew The Rock was a person of color, but The Rock is more ambiguous. You know, you can a lot more people can identify with him. He's multicultural. Right. Same thing with Vin Diesel. A lot of people don't know Vin Diesel's black. Vin Diesel's black and white. Rock is black and Polynesian. So they they were more uh, ambiguous uh, action heroes of color. Um, so even to today, you know, not until <laughs> this year did we finally get someone else that it was emphatically you knew this person was black. So not until just now, I'm sorry, not until '98 did you got Wesley becoming great, which is the first of the big two. But you had Michael Jai White in '97 uh, as Spawn. Uh, and then he disappeared. You didn't really see him much. You saw him in Steven Seagal films, but you didn't see him much on his own as far as uh, American features. But, of course, because we had video rentals and DVDs at that time, you know, we can find him uh, straight to DVD and stuff like that. So what was there a tipping point for you to decide that since Hollywood wasn't going to do it, you're going to do it yourself? Was there... A moment where you where, where that switch flipped for you, and you said, "Look, you know what? It's not going to happen from them, so I got to do it myself." Oh, absolutely! I came in like I was ninety six because I was like, oh, "I'm a multiracial individual, so I have a different look to myself. I have long hair, you know, and I didn't see anybody looking like me, and they weren't trying to cast me. I did a lot of modeling, though, a lot of modeling. I was like the Black Fabio, like I got nine book covers." Nine uh, romance book covers. I did calendars. I did all that stuff. But as far as film, you know, I wasn't getting put on except for that commercial that uh, Grandmaster Ronald Lake Lee got me for HBO back in uh, 96, 97. So I decided, like I said, doing the independent thing and I saw that it was possible to do that and put it on DVD. I said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for someone to define my destiny. I'm going to do it myself. And that's when I started out on the independent journey. I was fortunate to do Michael Jackson's They Don't Really Care About Us uh, a music video. And that was quite um, famous because it was controversial and all that. And so I did that. And then, you know, I carried that with me uh, to do independent uh, films on my own. That's great. Now you've got the Urban Action Showcase and Expo, which takes place this November 10th in New York City, Times Square. An exciting event. There's a whole initiative behind that to represent people of color in the action genre. Take me through the beginning of this whole initiative. How did the whole thing come together for you? Well, when I started doing my own action films back in the day, partnering with uh, my dojo brother at that time, uh, Lamar Winster from Troopers Touch Films. We created ASC Troopers Touch Entertainment. And we tried to enter into film festivals and could not get anything accepted. Mm. But we also recognized there were no film festivals that were taking action anyway. Everything back in those days, uh, you know, 2008 and so forth, they were just drama-based. You know, uh, there was nothing there. We HBO, we did have, I say we, because I've been there for 20 years, we did have something called American Black Film Festival, but that, once again, was trauma-related. You know, it didn't really have any action. 
Um, but that focus is focused on diversity, African-American filmmaking. Um, so I said, you know what? It's time to do something and be a solution to my, what I feel are, are problems. And I was a big, uh, we had been going to Comic-Con. I, I started going to Comic-Con in 2009 promoting our films and stuff. Mm. So I said, hmm, how can I marry this Comic-Con experience with what I feel we need in a film festival? So I developed a platform where we would be able to both inform, educate, facilitate, and expose uh, content, heroic-based content, that represents multicultural image and interest. And it took me a few years to pitch at HBO, but finally uh, I got the green light in 2012, end of 2012, uh, to go forward in 2013. So at the end of the day, um, we exist to change the dynamics of mainstream media by changing the perception of our images. And by doing that, by creating content that's heroic and, and putting more heroic-based content into the mainstream, it's going to change people's perception about people of color. Because right now, and well, for many years and, and continually, the, neg- the, the images of people of color were, were negative and sinister. Unless you were in sports, you didn't have any heroes. Unless you were a pop star, you didn't have any heroes. So we, we aim to change that by giving independent filmmakers, not only of color, uh, but women and so forth, uh, the opportunity to have a platform that is backed by a major brand, which is HBO Cinemax. Uh, we feature the Cinemax Action Short Film Competition. And you have someone saying, you know, and looking in your corner and saying, hey, you know, we're watching you. Uh, we're supporting, you know, your heroic images. And we feel that's important. So um, along with the International Action Film Festival, once again, it's international, so all over the world. Mm-hmm. As long as it's diverse and as long as there are principal characters of color, as long as they're heroic characters of color, you know, you can, you know, potentially be accepted. Um, we also know that the action genre is the blockbuster genre. It's the genre that costs the most money to produce, but it's the genre that produces the most money. Right. Uh, about the, the top five films are all Marvel, the top five uh, producing uh, films are Marvel films of some sort. Uh, I think uh, probably eight out of ten are all action, all the way, either action or sci-fi action of some sort of of action. So we recognize the importance of this genre because everyone needs a hero. So we, knowing that it's so expensive, we have several um, categories where people could uh, submit to. So we also, of course, have feature shorts, uh, new media, web series. Uh, but we also have something called the Blood, Sweat, and Bones. It's for people who don't have a lot of money but have the passion mm-hmm. to create great content. Um, because, once again, 
this genre costs a lot of money to, to make. There's so much that goes into it. Uh, you know, it's a lot different. So the Blood, Sweat, and Bones uh, gives people an opportunity to, to present their uh, content knowing that they don't have the big budgets like, you know, studios or people who have money. So we also have uh, trailers and action reels as well as something called a two-minute warning action sequence competition where you can just put a fight scene in three minutes or under. So we just have so many uh, various forms of content that you can enter and, um, you know, show your work. We also have a script uh, screenplay competition. And then we have what we call the showcase films, and that's when we celebrate the past uh, multicultural achievements, the founding multicultural achievements within the genre. So this year we're we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Blade, being that Wesley Snipes is the first uh, African American uh, superhero of the big two, and um, also knowing that he's the one that started it all for Marvel, as yeah. far as the rated R rating and so forth. So he played a, a huge role in comic book movies. I feel. Oh, absolutely! I don't think the Marvel Cinematic Universe exists without Blade. Exactly. Also, it's the 45th anniversary of Enter the Dragon. I would also like to mention that all these are Warner Brothers films. Warner Brothers has been a pioneer when it comes to diversity and taking chances on people of color. Um, this is a Warner Brothers film. Uh, Warner Brothers also did uh, Spawn last year with us. Uh, they produced that, and, and HBO did the animated series. And as you know, Spawn is an independent comic, so he's actually the first African-American uh, comic book hero with Michael Jai White. Yep. Uh, so this year, once again, uh, Enter the Dragon 45th anniversary is the first uh, martial arts film to be uh, produced by a major studio, which is, of course, Warner Bros. Um, we're also celebrating uh, 40th anniversary of Game of Death, 30th anniversary of Action Jackson, 30th anniversary of Bloodsport, um, 45th anniversary of Cleopatra Jones, we have something called Back to Black Action, where we stream some of the great black exploitation films like Shaft, Superfly, Cleopatra Jones, Foxy Brown, and then Retro Action Cinema, uh, celebrating those 90s action films like Above the Law, which is the 30th anniversary. And like I said, Action Jackson, 30th anniversary. We're screening The Last Dragon on the big screen again, of course. That's awesome. And Bloodsport, like I said, 30th anniversary. So we celebrate those films. And then what's really, really exciting is we have opportunities for individuals who are skilled in the martial arts, who are looking to get into the action genre. We have something called Call to Action, Martial Arts Action and Talent Initiative, where we bring in various stunt coordinators, directors, action stunt performers, and, and, and action stars to look at new talent. So that happens in the morning time on November 10th at like 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. where you get to be seen by these individuals who are on Blacklist, Blind Spot, uh, Defenders, Luke Cage, Daredevil, all the local uh, Marvel shows. And then if that's not enough, you get to be taught by action stars. For instance, last year, Michael J. White taught screenwriting. This year, Carl Scott. Uh, is making an appearance for the first time on the East Coast, and he's going to teach Hong Kong-style screen fighting. Uh, you're going to have Cheryl, Cheryl Lewis, one of the stunt doubles and, and stunt people from Luke Cage and, 
and from uh, Proud Mary. She's going to actually teach an all-women uh, screen fighting class. And then you have some great stunt uh, performers, uh, Felix Cortez from The Outsiders. He's going to be teaching tactical uh, blunt and bladed weapons for film. Uh, you're going to have actual martial arts uh, coordinators for The Black Widow. Uh, what's her real name? Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yes, he trained her for... Uh, what was the Japanese movie that was controversial that she did? Oh, yeah, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, he trained her for that. He's going to teach JKD for film. He's actually Paul Balmack's student, one of Danny Santos' student. So he's going to teach uh, JKD for film. And then we have Hanshi Nikwan Murphy, who's going to teach firearms for film. He's a big uh, retired firearms expert, and he's a uh, tactical firearms expert for films. So he's going to teach that. So you have so many wonderful opportunities to find out about the action genre, get immersed in the action genre, and network with individuals from the genre. And then finally, we have the Action Expo, and at the Action Expo is where you have all the independent comic book creators, uh, you have the various directors and uh, production companies and so forth. Uh, they're uh, sharing their content, and, and of course, you have the celebrity guests that will be around for this year. Um, Time Out the Last Dragon, Ron Van Cleef, Carl Scott, a few other surprises that we got coming on, working out. Uh, Wesley will definitely come through if his schedule allows. Oh, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, this is a place where you can be thinking, well, we have one of the door, Malaje from Black Panther. Oh, that's Marie, yeah, Marija Abney, she'll be there uh, at the Samsung booth doing photos. So it's really a, a action film and platform that does so many things and gives so many opportunities. And that's what I want it to be. I wanted it to be a place where you can not just, oh, I can see my film, but no, you can learn, you can network. Um, we have distribution for, for the official selections on uh, Amazon and, and Netflix and, and other platforms. Uh, we got a new partner for distribution, Iron Dragon TV, uh, which is on uh, Roku. So it's an exciting time to be able to offer these opportunities and to see the changes over the past six years. This is our sixth year. To be able to see the changes and see how people have worked together from meeting each other at this event and, and started creating content and it's just a wonderful thing to see, you know, it's baby steps. It's one step, you know, at a time, but you know that you're not where you started. So that's, that's a wonderful thing. Well, let's talk about that really briefly. It's your sixth year. Uh, how has it changed from when you started to what we have going on this year? Well, you know, the, your, your, my first one was like a learning experience. <laughs> sure. And I learned everything as all as much as I could. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we've grown as far as distribution. We've, we've grown to where we're in one spot. You know, we've grown in, in floors. We've, now we have several floors, uh, of entertainment now. Uh, we have three floors of entertainment now. You know, we, we've just been able to expand on the idea. We've not even gotten to what I would like it. So if I hit that mega million, you see, <laughs> let's call it the mega billion. Right. You can be certain you will see Urban Action Showcase and Expo in its fluition. <laughs> but until, <laughs> and until 
until then, you know, we just take one step at a time. And, you know, I'm just grateful for the support of all the grandmasters and, and the action stars, you know, throughout the years from, from Kelly Hugh, which is Lady Deathstrike, and, right. you know, Michael Jai White, and Ron Bankley's The Black Dragon, Tom Ock, The Last Dragon, uh, Robert Samuels, one of Samuel Hung's students. Yep. You know, it's just been a, it's, it's really been a blessing. People have really gotten behind what we're doing and been supporting us, and that's how we grow. When, when people are coming together and unifying behind a cause, you know, so I can just say that each year we've been able to stretch out a little more, a little more to, to try to make more opportunities happen and, you know, try to bring fans some of their heroes that they don't normally see. Yeah, I think it's a, a very admirable effort. Uh, I love the whole action genre, but I love martial arts cinema. And even today, even though, like you said, the action genre brings in a ton of cash for the studios, uh, it's still somewhat marginalized in recognition. The Academy Awards will uh, tend to push action genre to the uh, to the fringe sometimes because it's it's still just action cinema, or you know you know what I mean. It's it's not as maybe it doesn't get the respect that it it truly deserves sometimes. It's a, it's a, I feel it's a um, it's sort of like a. I, I feel it's sort of a a paradox in the sense of this. You're not going to get an Academy Award, right. right, for the acting genre. But your studio could not stay open without it. Absolutely. There are no blockbuster dramas. You do get a comedy here and there that'll make some money, but, then, but, but at the end of the day, unless it's action, there's no blockbuster comedy. Right. You know, so at the end of the day... The action genre is what feeds you, is what people want to see. You're not going to recognize the acting because at the end of the day, it's not really about the acting. It's about the action and, and, and having a hero that you can identify with to save the day so you can feel like, you know what, I've, I've gone out of myself for a few hours and been a hero, yeah. you know. So... You no, know, you're not going to get respect from the Academy Awards, but at the same time, these studios know that you know what. If we didn't have this content, <laughs> we wouldn't be around. Right. Yeah. Another aspect of the uh, Urban Action Showcase and Expo that I, I really kind of geeked out to to be a part of is the the focus that you put on the stunt community and the fight choreography because that is hugely unsung particularly by something like the Academy Awards, which doesn't even recognize the stunt category. Uh, so, you know, they had to go have their own awards, the Taurus Awards. But the, that whole part of the filmmaking process is uh, is some of the stuff that I always keyed in on when I was watching action movies growing up. I, I loved martial arts cinema for the martial arts. I wanted to see how they did what they did. And when that morphed into action film and you got awesome fight choreography, even though they didn't call it martial arts. Uh, if you were attuned to it, you, you knew what they were doing and, and uh, what they were showing you on screen. So uh, to be able to have an outlet for stunt teams and fight choreographers and uh, guys who want to be, uh, who want to do film fighting uh, there at the Urban Action Showcase, I think is, is awesome because it keeps growing that genre that people like you and I love so much. Absolutely. You know, Without these individuals, you wouldn't have the action, especially today, because, you know, 
back in the day, the action stars actually did the action. Right, right. Very few people that didn't do it. You know, very few, if any, that didn't do it. So, you know, the stunt community needs to be recognized for their their efforts and for the fact that they're bringing the action to life. They're risking their lives to make someone else, some other individual, look good. So we have something called the Behind the Action Stunt Performer Awards uh, honoring the hidden heroes of action. So we'll be honoring a lot of the men and women who have made a lot of the series that you see, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and films like Proud Mary and so forth come to pass and, and be as successful as they are because they are, you know, are very skilled at what they do and they put their lives on the line for our entertainment. Now, what has the response been from the action community in general to the Urban Action Showcase? Well, I only know what I know. And what I know is they've been supporting me from day one. We've supported them and they supported me. So I haven't had any that I know. They haven't said, no one said anything in my face. Maybe they won't. <laughs> we'll put it that way. But everyone that I know has been very supportive. Anybody that asked to be a part of what we're doing, for the most part, you know, they've all gone out of their way to be a part of it and support. And I can definitely, you know, be thankful and appreciate them for, for doing that because obviously they don't have to. I'm sure they appreciate it because, again, like you said, maybe maybe it's marginalized in Hollywood a little bit. But with uh, with events like this, it gets the spotlight that I think it deserves. So kudos. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to being a part of the whole the whole event. Thank All right. You, I appreciate you coming on board. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up soon. But uh you ready to do a quick lightning round? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First thing that comes to your head, ready? Who's your favorite of the five Deadly Venoms? Oh, well, of course, the centipede. You know, he was with us last year, Lou Fang. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, who's your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Oh, of course, little Ernie Ray Jr. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Kid with a Golden Arm versus Netflix Iron Fist. Who wins? I can't even believe you said that. I had to ask. <laughs> I can't believe you even... You, I, I think you need to retract that statement. <laughs> There's no way in the world anything Iron Fist could be compared to the one and only low Mung kid with the golden arms. There's no... He's that... It, it makes no sense to even... Absolutely agree with you 150%. There's just no way. I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was about to, I was about to revoke you. If you was black, I was about to revoke your black card. <laughs> and you shouldn't even said that. That was I embarrassing. I, I, listen, I have, I have a, a huge bone to pick with what happened with Iron Fist. Um, um, I, I know exactly what happened with Iron Fist and... You know what? When that's the, another thing. When you have studios who don't understand yep. making decisions, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It was a wasted opportunity. Yeah. What what uh, what I think bothers me most about that is that because that didn't work out the way that it should have, the way that it could have, if people who were were more attuned to what they should have been attuned to in making that whole series, that. I'm afraid to say that it puts a damper on what could have been 
more martial arts in the mainstream on Netflix. You know, there there are some other things coming out that hopefully will change that. But, I, you know, I, for for things like what could have been Shang-Chi in the Marvel Universe or the Daughters of the Dragon, you know, maybe now they have to think twice before doing that because of what happened with Iron Fist. Well, I don't think that's the problem. Don't forget, they're losing all that content. Disney's taking their stuff. Right, right. Remember, Disney's still, you know, uh, launching their own platform. But, you know, believe it or not, Netflix has a lot of porn stuff on there that's really great. And um, I think perhaps... You know, they may do Daughters of the Dragon because, you know, I, uh, you know, I like Colleen. <laughs> I think yeah. um, uh, Missy Knight's character needs to sharpen her skill set. But anyway, I think all these are opportunities for people, especially with Into the Badlands, knowing the success of that. I think those are, that, that solidifies the fact that people love martial arts entertainment. So... That gives room for individuals and independent people like myself to produce content or to put content out that fills those voids. So don't forget Netflix is a platform on OTT, just like other platforms like Amazon and so forth. So they're going to have to compete. So we're putting stuff up on Amazon that people are, are loving. Then, you know, of course, you know, Netflix is, Netflix is not going to be left out. They're going to do the same thing. So... I just feel it was a good lesson, yeah. you know, that when, you know, when you start, when you do things and not honor the, the foundation of something, if the foundation is martial arts, you got to honor that. And that means it's got to be great. You know, like, oh my goodness, even though Marco Polo, you know, wasn't the best acting and stuff, the martial arts that do, uh, yeah. Thousand Eyes, oh right. my Goodness, what's his stuff off the chain? <laughs> right? That's that was off the chain. Well, I love that dude. Um, but anyway, Finis, did I did I answer all the speed round? I probably messed up the speed round, didn't I? No, 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 no. It's totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Um, let's do let's do one more and uh, or a couple more. Let's do uh, Black Dynamite versus Shaft. Who wins? Black Dynamite. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, and then uh, the last question, and I'll, I'll, of course, edit out if you get it wrong, but what is your favorite podcast about kung fu, action films, martial arts, movies, and entertainment? Kung Fu Blimey, who else? <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, um, so what comes next uh, after the uh, Urban Action Showcase uh, Expo for you uh, personally? Or is there Are there other things that you're cooking up? And uh, what do you have planned for the next Urban Action Showcase and Expo? All right. Well, first of all, Saturday, November 10th, AMC Theaters, Times Square, the sixth annual Urban Action Showcase. Um, after that, next year, it's uh, Matrix. Nice. <laughs> uh, the Matrix next year, uh, 20th anniversary, I believe. And then um, in between, I always go to uh, the Martial Arts Mega Weekend, uh, Hall of Honor, uh, with Sifu Alan Goldberg. And uh, Atlantic City. And that's usually the end of January. Yep. Um, so I'll be there. And then um, I'm not sure where else I'll be, but I normally do little Comic Cons here and there. Uh, but my major stuff, obviously, is focusing on urban action and, you know, what we're going to do as far as how we're going to get better and do better. 
And uh, it takes me all year to do, so I'm not doing too much other stuff other than that. And of course, we're training, you know, new, uh, we're training individuals uh, with the, the New York City Action Actors Academy, where I train uh, actors how to fight for streaming television. So we do that all year long. So that'll resume after Urban Action. And uh, that's it. Hopefully, uh, be able to, 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 you know, grow and do better for next year. Cool. Uh, socials. Give me all the socials where people can get information, pick up tickets, uh, and find out all they can about the Urban Action Showcase. Okay. UrbanActionShowcase.com. Click events. All passes are there. Uh, all pass explanations are there. And, and realize that uh, you'll get a PayPal receipt and you bring that receipt to redeem uh, for your pass on November 10th. So you'll actually get a physical pass on November 10th. You will not get a ticket sent to you. Um, Facebook, Urban Action Showcase. Instagram, Urban Action Showcase. Twitter, Urban Action Fest. And then that, that's everything. Okay, very cool. Uh, so again, Urban Action Showcase Expo, November 10th, Times Square, uh, starting at 9 a.m., you said? 9 a.m. starts the registration. It's, it's 9 a.m. for registration and call to action. Uh, the expo starts 10 a.m. to midnight, 14-hour action cinema megathon. Yes, AMC Empire 25. It's actually a landmark theater, but it's uh, it's the largest multiplex cinema in New York City. It's uh, 25 theaters. We take up six of those. We take up the fourth and the fifth floor of theaters. Uh, and then, of course, we have the sixth floor for um, seminars and so forth. But, yep, November 10th, basically get there, 9 o'clock to register, and you're going to have 14 hours of action cinema overdose. That's awesome. An action film lover's uh, dream. So November 10th, be there. The Kung Fu Driving Podcast will be there uh, to to cover all of the the exciting goings-on. Uh, stunt teams, action films, kung fu, whatever you want as an action film lover, be there November 10th. Uh, Demetrius, thank you so much for taking some time out. Best of luck with the show. Cannot wait to meet you and hang out and uh, take in everything that the Urban Action Showcase and Expo offers. Absolutely, and thank you for being a part of the action, and I'll see you in November. Thanks to Demetrius for setting aside some time to talk with me and for inviting the Kung Fu Driving Podcast to be the official podcast of the Urban Action Showcase and Expo happening this November 10th, 2018 at the AMC Theaters in Times Square in New York City. I will be there for all 14 hours of Saturday afternoon Kung Fu Theater trying to cover all of the awesome events going on and with any luck, I might get a few people to come by the table to sit down for an on-site interview for the show. Now, if you're planning on attending, head over to urbanactionshowcase.com to get your passes and check out all the cool events, movies, seminars, and everything else taking place that day. While you're there, be sure to come by the Kung Fu Driving Podcast table to grab some giveaways and maybe participate in a Kung Fu Trivia Contest for some cool prizes. As always, you can hit me up on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And while you're on Twitter, give my Castaways buddies a listen and go to the hashtag Castaways to check them out. In the meantime, start getting your action pants on because the Urban Action Showcase is getting closer and I cannot wait to check out all the action with you guys. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. The 2018 UASE will take place Saturday, November 10th at AMC Theaters Times Square, featuring five theaters with over 60 hours of action content from 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. That's right, Action Junkies, we're having a 14-hour action film megathon 
showcasing the latest indie action film content and continuing last year's launch of Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, featuring Shaw Brothers Kung Fu Classic and honoring the 40th anniversary of Five Daily Venice. Please join the Urban Action Showcase Diversity and Action Initiative, celebrating the past, present, and future multicultural achievements in the blockbuster action genre. As a platform, we advocate diversity and inclusion through our International Action Film Festival, Action Expo, and Action Film Awards platform to promote multicultural heroic images in order to change the dynamic of mainstream media. invite you to be a part of the action by pre-purchasing a 2018 event pass for yourself or a friend. Master, Sanjay is finished. We can attack the city. Poison plan rocks the world. On the hands running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is old Otherwise, he wants a world of peace Because he doesn't want to fight you got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks Guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars Then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks Will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here Derrick Yee is coming back The Tai Chi master Jelly's even faster The channel little drink because he is the drunken master once upon a time in china rosamund kwan is real fine but see maggie chung is finer golden swallow has arrived shang chi movies will the hero will survive we've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain gonna fight may as well pick the spot yeah the sky goes black cause the vampire's back we've got lam ching ying to kill them all to so stand back he plays the black magic on the soul of the sword and our sword will travel until his body's on floors yeah wing chun shaolin the man is style yeah defeat the enemy me and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slash and blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor and the blood It'll splatter against the walls, no fear at all To kill them all, there's always blood spill When you head into a war, fearless Unleashed The fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. 
this time it's war To smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house Ready for some action Drink a little wine